up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, your weekly NBA update on the Slab Stocks Podcast Network. Over the past week or so, the stock market has been just absolutely dreadful. The major indices with huge drops almost each day. And of course, a lot of that is related to concerns over the coronavirus and its effect on various companies and the daily life of ordinary people like you and me. One thing you have to know is that the stock market is driven by either greed or fear. And when times are good, the market tends to be driven by greed. And so naturally, stocks will generally increase in value as people run to buy. In times of fear, like our current world climate, no one knows what's going to happen. And so you get these extreme sell-offs resulting in a market that's doing what we've been seeing over the past week or so. I guess the question we've asked ourselves at Slab Stocks is, what will times like these do to the card market? And although it's maybe still too early to tell, it appears that the answer is not a whole lot. Now, I'd never say that any investment market is immune to collapse. In fact, we've seen that before with the card market. But there are a few important differences between cards and stocks. For one, I don't imagine most people have their entire retirement tied up in cards. That is true for a lot of stock market investors. And so when the times turn for the worse and disappointing quarterly reports are released, we're dealing with people's livelihood. So you're going to see some negative impact on the overall market. With cards, I think most people treat this as the gravy on top of their big investments. And so there's less fear associated with the card market. So personally, even though I'm somewhat risk averse, I still feel comfortable continuing to invest in the card market, and I believe that we can weather this current storm. And of course, it goes without saying, but if you do plan on investing in cards over the rest of this rather unknown period of time, it's best if you can cut down on the number of unknowns, and the best way to do that is by subscribing to Slav Stocks' daily investor emails, where you will get great value buy-it-nows and auction target prices, along with valuable information delivered daily to your email inbox. Subscribe, tell your friends, and let's all make some money together. All right, let's get into hoops. Just a fair warning, this episode will deal with fewer players than normal. I already don't talk about a whole ton of players, but there will be less this time around. And that's due to the nature of my other job and it being an extremely busy time of year for me, so I have limited time. But I do have some thoughts I'd like to share, so I hope you can find a few things worth remembering throughout this podcast. Uh, Some big news out of the NBA this past week was the firing of Brooklyn Nets coach Kenny Atkinson. The Nets have underwhelmed this season, mostly because they lost a lot of their depth this past offseason as a way to make way way for a few stars that have combined only to play 20 games and also DeAndre Jordan together with them. Now, I believe that Kenny Atkinson is a good coach, and I don't think I'm alone in that opinion. Last year, he took a Brooklyn Nets team that was lacking in upper-end talent to a 42-40 record, which is really good for a team that's trying to build toward the future. All of that was ripped out from under him when Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan all agreed on a FaceTime call to team up in Brooklyn. Now, their understanding at the time of the agreement was that DeAndre Jordan would be the full-time starting center for the course of his contract. And this is the problem with buddy ball. Players, even great ones, are not usually very good at team building, and they overestimate their abilities to overcome team deficiencies. DeAndre Jordan should not be a starting center in the NBA. He's nearly 32 years old, and he's just not the same player that he was four years ago. Now, Kenny Atkinson knew that because he's not an absolute moron, and so he started Jarrett Allen over him. Jarrett Allen, who is 10 years younger than Jordan, and much, much better in every aspect of the game of basketball. Well, none of those things really matter when it comes to buddy ball. And Kyrie and KD and DeAndre Jordan, well, they all turned on Kenny Atkinson. And so he and the Nets, quote-unquote, mutually agreed to part ways 
although I don't know how mutual that actually was. This is an indictment on the Nets franchise. They are currently run by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and stop me if you've heard this before, but locker room drama and dissent just tend to follow those guys around. This is just not a team that I have very much confidence in moving forward as far as basketball is concerned, and it's also not a team I'm investing any of my hard-earned money in. I like Jarrett Allen, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, I like Karis Levert, I like some of the lesser guys on this team, but I don't really think that the head honchos KD and Kyrie like any of them, and for that reason, their ceilings are severely limited moving forward. We already know that Dinwiddie, well, it was rumored anyway, it was rumored that Dinwiddie was on the trade block this year because Kyrie Irving just didn't like playing along with him. And we also know that he, both Dinwiddie and Levert, have played much better when Irving has been injured than when Irving was sharing the court with them. So with Kyrie and KD set to return next year, I'm not investing in anyone on this team, and I don't think you should be planning to either. Moving on to happier news. Jaron Jackson Jr. is set to return from injury soon. His Prism Silver PSA 10s are auctioning in the low $150 range, which is right around where they've been trading all season long. Now, outside of a few stellar games here and there, we haven't seen a big leap from him this season. And also his star teammate Jean Morant stole a lot of the spotlight earlier this, or this entire season so far. But we have seen enough from Triple J this year that the fact that his prices haven't really gone up since October means that this is a good buy currently, and especially going into the offseason. Per 36 minutes, he's improved in overall scoring, in his block totals, which were already impressive, in assists, and in three-point percentage with regards to his three-point shooting. Last year, he shot about 36%, which was good, but it was only on 3.4 attempts per 36 minutes. This year, he's up to just over eight, per, 8 attempts per 36, and he's shooting just a hair under 40%. He's got all the tools to be the prototypical modern big, an excellent floor spacer, and a great shot blocker, and he's only 20 years old. And maybe we didn't see a huge jump from him this year, but guess what? He's actually a whole month younger than his teammate John Morant, so we have to imagine tons of growth is still in store for him. If you look at his PSA population reports, Triple J is, is probably the third most sought-after player from last year's draft, or at least he should be, but he's relatively scarce compared to the top two. Luca's Silvers have a gem rate of 61%, with 1,587 PSA 10s on the market. Trey Young has a gem rate of 66%, with 1,511 PSA 10s. But Triple J, his gem rate is all the way down at 58%, and only 705 available. So $150 thinking about all of that, seems like a really good price to me at the moment. And if it drops lower in this offseason, as it probably will, that seems like an absolute must-buy to me. By all accounts, he's a very good teammate. He's happy to allow Morant to have the spotlight, meaning that moving forward, this should be a very exciting, young, dynamic pair, and that this is going to carry Memphis to some places. I am all in buying on Triple J. Moving on to another up-and-coming team in the West, the New Orleans Pelicans. We all know how good Zion Williamson has been, and a lot of the question throughout the year has been surrounding his teammates, how they would look when Zion returned from injury. Well, they've all looked pretty good. Since Zion's debut, the Pelicans' most-used lineup is exactly what it should have been. Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson. That lineup has played together for 230 minutes over 19 games and is a plus 7.6 per game, which is pretty good. 
know, one concern was how Brandon Ingram would fare together with Zion since there's some positional overlap. But over the past 15 games, his on-off differential has been a plus 10.2, which is really, really good. Scoring is a bit down from his season total, but he's still averaging 21.6 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and 1.3 steals, while shooting well from the field and 38% from three on 6.5 attempts per game. It's all been very encouraging, and you have to imagine the Pelicans will extend him with a max deal this summer, which should actually bump up his card prices a little bit. But the player who's benefited more than Brandon Ingram has been Lonzo Ball, who's been absolutely dominant since teaming up with Zion. Over that stretch, he's averaging 13 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, 2.5 stocks, that's steals plus blocks, while shooting 43% from deep on 6.6 attempts per game and shooting relatively well from the rest of the field also. Every single one of these categories is up from the rest of his season without Zion, and we could say it's a small sample size, but this is just simply the Zion effect. Zion comes with so much gravity and attention surrounding him, it is affording a guy like Lonzo Ball the opportunity to thrive for the first time in his career. Yes, he did have a similar gravity well in LeBron last year, but Lonzo was also a 21-year-old rookie trying to make it after a disappointing rookie year, and it just didn't work out. But this is the teammate that Lonzo needs to unlock many of his positive attributes. And assuming that this pairing continues into the future, things are looking up for Lonzo's card prices. This time last year, as a disappointment on a disappointing Lakers team, Lonzo's PSA 10 Prism Silver rookie cards were auctioning around $63. After the trade to the Pelicans, those jumped up quite a bit to $150, and we've seen a somewhat steady increase over the course of the year to around $210. I don't know that the NBA world has really caught up to just how good Lonzo has been, but once it finally does, I expect these cards to be on the rise again. He's finally capitalizing on all the potential he was drafted on, and things are looking good for the rest of his career as long as he's playing together with Zion Williamson. I'm buying at this point. In a roundabout way, Lonzo's improvements should also pay dividends for the LaMelo ball market heading into next year. You know, with Lonzo having been a disappointment so far in his career with all of the annoyances of LeVar Ball and the, the, the big baller brand and the absolute nothing burger of LiAngelo Ball's career, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if there was a great amount of baggage weighing down LaMelo Ball's card market next year. I still wouldn't be super surprised if that was the case, but with Lonzo Ball's current success, I think that's kind of unlocks some of the hype around LaMelo Ball just a little bit more. This obviously doesn't affect anything at the moment, he's just a name to watch for next year, although that was already obvious. Sticking with young point guards, let's go over to San Antonio, where Derek White is finally going to get some more minutes now that DeJunta Murray is potentially sidelined for the rest of the year with a strained calf. I do not consider myself smarter than Greg Popovich, but I have been absolutely flummoxed all season by his unwillingness to play Murray and White together. They've only played 102 minutes together in 38 contests when they saw the court for uh, for similar time. And they've been a slight net negative during those 102 minutes, but they've still been a much better pairing than, than either DeYunta Murray with Bryn Forbes or Derek White with Bryn Forbes. Still, Greg Popovich insists on playing Forbesy about 25 minutes a night, leaving only 24 for Derek White. That was until last night when DeJunta Murray was out for the first game with this new injury, and Derek White was a revelation. In 35 minutes, he put in 14 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, and 4 blocks. And this is what he's capable of. Well, 
maybe not that per se, because that was unreal. But Derek White can absolutely contribute all over on both ends of the court, and he needs to be getting 30 minutes a night moving forward. I don't have any clue what Popovich will do next year, but if he actually gives this guy minutes and plays his two best young players together, who knows? Maybe they'll actually start winning games again. Now, Derek White is not a super hot name on a super hot name on the market by any stretch, uh, so very few sales to go off of. But his last PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie Card auction went for $31, which is just absolutely nothing. And his raw silvers go anywhere from one to five bucks on auction. Going into next season, I could see White being a preseason talking point for the Spurs, just as DeUnta Murray was this past offseason. And if that's the case, I imagine we'll see a marginal bump in value for White. He's not a super hot buy or anything like that, but at the pittance that he's going for currently, I think there is some value here provided Popovich actually starts playing him. I would tentatively be buying. Last guy I have time to talk about. Uh, is a guy I've been getting some questions about, Christian Wood, now starting for the Detroit Pistons. He was a guy with the Bucks last year that I really hoped would stick with the team, but the Bucks just didn't have any playing time for him with Brooke and Giannis cemented in and with veteran backups that were receiving preference on a contender. Christian Wood has received uneven minutes with the Pistons all year behind Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and a few other guys, but with those two in particular out of the way, Wood is finally starting, and he's been really, really good. He's always put up eye-popping stats when given minutes, but now those stats are backed up with good defense and the fact that he's been a huge net positive when he's on the floor compared to when he's riding the pine, which just really hasn't been the case up to this point in his, up to this point in his career. Although many are probably hearing about him for the first time, he's already been around the league for five years and he's going to be 25 next year. But he is an unrestricted free agent and he figures to gain a ton of attention in a market relatively devoid of top-end talent. Over his past 12 games as a starter, Christian Wood has poured in 22 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block while shooting well from every level of the floor. Now that he's seemingly not just an empty stats sort of player, and he's gained some lower body strength that he lacked coming out of UNLV, if he gets on a team with strong guard play, he figures to be really popular, a really popular name over the next few seasons. And the caveat for investors is that he just doesn't really have that much available, which always stinks. He has a contender's draft picks auto rookie that's been going in buy it nows for around $50. And he has some Donruss rookies of various kinds that have been going for anywhere from a dollar to around $20. It's kind of hard to tell where his current value is at the moment because most cards have been selling as buy it nows. Now, most people don't really get excited for those types of cards, and that's totally understandable. But who knows? If he turns into something really good on a good team this offseason, and this is all we can buy, then perhaps it's worth looking into. If he can continue this type of play, and he does get to a contender next year, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could back his way into an all-star position. And if that's the case, this could be a good buy. I don't exactly know what I would be doing in this situation. I just wanted to present you with all the facts, and I'm going to leave this all up to you without giving a really strong recommendation one way or the other. All right, that's all the time I have for uh, this afternoon. Thank you for listening. Please go to slabstocks.com. Put your name in the email 
uh, the email box, subscribe to the Slab Stocks email listings, and uh, we hope to hear from you again next time. Drop any comments you have in my DMs or in the, the post on Slab Stocks Instagram if you want to shoot any thoughts or opinions to me. All right, thanks as always for listening.